This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the Extra Time Podcast. There's only one place to start, and that is all things cricket. And I'll get this out of the way by saying a massive congratulations and well done to India. Because an awful lot of people, Robbie included, wrote them off, didn't have a hope in hell of doing I anything I think you also wrote them off. I maybe did. I think we both did. We're both guilty. That. Mustafa did get in touch with us, and I had to issue a... A bit of an apology <laughs> yesterday directly to Mustafa and to all India cricket fans because we had rather dismissively assumed that Australia would go on given the history at yeah. the Sydney cricket ground, given the, the low totals that usually do result on that final day. Uh, it wasn't the case. India were absolutely resolute in their batting. They were fantastic. They had so many star performers and uh, they were... They, they were just gritty. They and were. let's be honest, sometimes not a quality you associate with India when they are the away team. To be able to grit that out like they did is remarkable. And, of course, without their talisman as well, without arguably the best cricketer on the planet in Virat Kohli, he's at home uh, with his new baby, of course. But you're absolutely right. For India to do that, the manner that it came about in as well, you had the brilliance of Rishabh Pant in his sublime 97. And then you had backs to the wall stuff with... Vahari, 23 of 161 balls. He was also battling a hamstring injury. You had Ravi Ashwin battling a bit of a back problem. He made 39 from 128 deliveries. That is proper test cricket. That, that is. That's what yeah, it is. That's, that's what we like to see. That's, that's, a, that's a sign that test cricket isn't dying, maybe, as quick as we all think that's it is. resolute, that because is. Because that 39 in. from 128 deliveries, I love seeing that as opposed to 74 or 40 balls <laughs> in a, an IPL match. Yeah. Oh, you do, do you? There's a purist talking. There is. Yeah, just, you know, you just know that is backs to the wall. That is nicking a single here or there. That is leaving most balls. And concentration and just focus. absolute concentration and yeah. focus. And he did it all while rowing with Australia captain Tim Payne. Well, well, Tim Payne has not come out of this with much... I, again, I'm reading the transcripts here. And you can always, when you take something out of context and you read a transcript, it can come across as a lot more mean-spirited than perhaps it was said. Oh, you no, have come to, on, Rob. He, you, he found, he, the pressure got to him, Timmy Payne. There's no doubt he was. Oh, they, were, they were laughing and joking at the he, end of the game. He called, he called Ravi a word beginning with D. There are far worse things you can call someone, but it begins with D again, and ends in D. Again, that is, you could put that down to, um, and this isn't me saying that, but if he was to sort of sit here, maybe... He might say that was just a little bit of back and forth. Well, no, There's nothing honest, to it. And we're going to hear from Tim Payne because he was appalled. And he's been left a little bit red-faced because, of course, uh, Australia ushered in a new policy after Sandpaper Gate. They, they wanted to take Australia down a different route. And some would say that they showed their true colours. When backs up against the wall, when they were throwing everything at India and nothing was coming off, they resorted to, dare I say it, type. They tried to sledge, and, and listen, sledging does have a place. When you say type, I mean, when, they, when Sandpapergate occurred, the Australians had a blemish-free record. They were not deemed as cheaters at all. Well, there were, the, the sledging has been something that long held from people that we've spoken to has often. No, has but often. the reason why Sandpapergate caused such embarrassment was they, their, their image of bluff, yeah, you know, it is dogged, and, but, uh, fu- fundamentally honest cricketers was tarnished. 
beyond Absolutely, repair. But it's long been held, though, that they are sledging tactics. Everyone has a different view on this. Sometimes they're not the only the team that's No, they're not, but it's well documented that the Aussies have at times crossed the line. There's been various stories of things that have been said, and Tim Payne, who had this, or at least promised, a more squeakier, clean image, got frustrated. He was effing and jeffing. He, he, he has, and he's come out to say, I need to apologise for my behaviour. He was effing and jeffing at the umpire. He tried to, and, and listen, I'm with you, Rob. I've led the transcript, uh, read, not led, read the transcript from his little back and forth with Ravi Ashwin. And it seemed good natured. You throw in the D word and it changes things. But pain, and, and I've got the transcript here. This was actually picked up on the stump mic. We can't wait to get you to the Gabba. For, uh, referring to the fourth and deciding test in Brisbane. I don't think the Aussies have lost a match at the Gabba since 1988 if memory serves. Ashwin replied, just like we want to get you to India, it'll be your last series. So yeah. there he is saying, Tim, you ain't last long. There has been some murmurs as well that Steve Smith ready to uh, reclaim that role, although more on Steve in just a moment. And then Payne said, at least my teammates like me, D, your individual in the Indian dressing room. And then he was effing and jeffing. He has been fined, or uh, Tim, that is, 15% of his match fee. And that, that's pretty mild stuff. When it comes to sledging, oh, yeah. it's mild yeah. compared to some of the things that yeah, have been no, said, no, the allegations. No one likes you, mate. Brilliant. Who cares? You'd, be, you'd just be throwing that straight back at him. Exactly. You, you would. Know. You'd be oh. throwing that straight back at him. Absolutely. That is, to me, that is the kind of thing that you would expect back and forth in the heat of the battle. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. But this is Tim. I want to play this very quickly. This is Tim, uh, who has, well, he's admitted that he was in the wrong and he had this to say. Was it part of my frustration, did you say? Yeah, well, I mean, like Nathan Lyon was continually trying to bowl and Ashwin was trying to face up and you kept talking to him and he kept backing yeah. away. So it was about four or five balls in a row. Yeah, well, I think it was two, but... Um... But yeah, obviously, like I said, I, I am disappointed with the way I held myself yesterday as the leader of this team, um, and, and that's that's you know as much as I can say, I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed with the way I behaved yesterday, and and it's not the way I want to lead this team. So, um, like I said, the the intensity of this series or the pressure of yesterday um, took me sort of out of character a little bit, and. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll learn from it and, and improve. And yeah, Tim did go on to add in a separate interview that he was made to look a little bit of a fool because he dropped not one, not two, but three catches. It was a day to forget at the office and we've all had them. But all of a sudden, Tim is now under increased scrutiny. It just goes to show test cricket is still the top dog, even if its reputation is potentially being marginalised by other forms of the game, even if its place in, in, the, in the cricketing schedule is being attacked by shorter forms, T20, etc. It just goes to show when it comes to caring about the outcome, the players, I guarantee you, are more into this than yeah. they would be in a, in a different format, because in a shorter it, it, format. It, it, because this is still the ultimate. This is still is. the blue ribbon event. This, this is kind of a test series featuring, OK, I know New Zealand are now the number one ranked test nation, but, but Australia and, and India will regard themselves as, as certainly contenders for that position. I know it's ongoing. I know the test championship. I don't think we're ever going to have a decisive number one, at least not for some time. We haven't, had a, we haven't had a clear test number one team probably since Australia were the dominant force. All the way back, what? In the, what, in the 90s all the way through to the mid-noughties, mm. right? Can you think of one? In terms of a, a storied team, 
still in terms of a team that will, will sit in the pantheon of greats. I mean, some England fans might point out that the England team then went on and took the took the ashes. That, the fact that these guys are falling out and there's there's back chat and all that sort of stuff, I'm, kind of, in, I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, interesting that. Steve Smith as well. There has been a lot of conjecture, the uh, cheating allegations once more, because Steve Smith is in a spot of bother. Tim Payne needs to get some new material because the line that he threw at Ravi Ashwin that no one likes you in the uh, Indian I mean, it's, it's room, school playground stuff. He actually used it. He used it with Virat Kohli a couple of years back as well. So Tim Payne <laughs> needs to get some new material. He's like, a, he's like an ageing comic who's past his prime <laughs> at least my mates and like desperately me. needs a new stand-up yeah. routine. I mean, at least my mates like me. I, I mean, mean, it's it's schoolboy stuff of the highest order, isn't it? It's a nonsense for, for some it, of. It's the most childish so little exchange, that. For some of the sledging that we have heard rumours of said, mm. some of the subjects that have been brought up, that Brings is... to mind, was it Merv Hughes who issued the, that famous... Oh, I can't, down, obviously it can't, it? I, can't, I can't repeat this on air. Oh, come on now. Was it Merv... I can't, definitely oh, can't repeat this on air. get in trouble. Um, it was something about... Careful. The, the consumption of biscuits, I think. Okay, interesting. Do you remember? Say Hamadre has felt so passionate about that third test between Australia and India. A very controversial one as well. We've not yet spoken about Steve Smith. We'll get to that in just a second. But let's bring Hamadre into the conversation now. We say good evening to you, Squire. Good evening, fellows. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you so much for picking up the phone, Hamadre. And listen, talk to us. What is it that you want to share with us of that third test between Australia and India at the SEG? Well, uh, the, I mean, the test match itself was like life, you know, it mirrors life. It was bo- it was beautiful poetry at the same time, you know, the struggle, the saga, you know, the way Indians gritted it out, uh, n- you know, not giving in. And, you know, so the, the, the interesting part is Australians, they try to get under your skin, uh, especially when the chips are uh, down or yeah. things are not going the way you would want to, which was very evident in the third test, uh, on, especially on the last day. You have somebody who's batting with one leg. You have somebody who can't even, you know, uh, uh, you know, get up straight, which was Ashwin, who was batting with a mm-hmm. bad back. Mm-hmm. And I think all these factors kind of uh, uh, rattled them, frustrated them. And then we saw uh, what Tim Payne, you know, said. But mind you, it's only the part uh, which was uh, when the, when, you know, when the play was there, uh, when it was my, uh, when they actually went uh, to uh, the middle to listen in. This is usually going on most of the times. I have yeah. produced international cricket yeah. many for many, many years. So I know as a fact, because we are always getting a clean feed of the audio of the stump, uh, stump mic. Uh, that is, that this chatter is going on more often than not. It's just that it picked up at that point of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, regarding, uh, you know, Tim Payne, uh, they, I mean, uh, there have been a few memes about, you know, the guy is better at sledges than edges. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to make of that because... Ashwin really had the mic drop moment when it came to that, uh, you know, because I'm sure uh, if Australia are in the similar position of not having their first, second, third choice seamers out, whether they'll be able to compete and perform. Uh, we saw in the last tour when Smith and Warner were not there, how they kind of capitulated. And, uh, you know, uh, we all know the result. Over here, obviously, Kohli's not there. So, I think Australians were thinking that Indians are just going to surrender by T. Uh, you know, they would be 2-1 up and then they'll go to their fort, you know, almost uh, fortress, which is Brisbane, Gabba, yeah. where they haven't lost since 1989. But under normal circumstances, you would say, yeah, they are the favourites. But with this Indian side, 
I don't know when they are actually when they when they they don't know when they are defeated. We because we all saw how uh, you know we bounced back after Adelaide when when we were thirty six all out. Can I? Can uh, I nobody ask, in the world. Sorry, yes. Sorry, can ahead. I jump in here, Hamadre? I, I want to ask yeah. you, and, and you're right to say that a lot of people, the majority of people, probably wrote India off when I think it was two thousand and six, the the largest fourth innings chase, two hundred eighty eight. I think Aussies yeah. chasing down the Proteus. I want to ask though about yeah. Steve Smith because give me the yeah. view in India. Uh, he has come in for an awful lot of abuse once more. Once a cheat, always yeah. a cheat has been levelled against. Now, for people not aware of this story, he was caught on yeah. one of the stump cameras appearing to scuff up the crease, appearing to scuff up the mark that I think it was uh, yeah. Pant. I think it was Pant that was still Chris in. Pant, yeah. It was yeah. his crease. Uh, and the accusation leveled there is he was trying to move. And people might ask, well, what do you mean he was scuffing up the mark? The mark that signifies to Pant that he's in the middle yeah. of his crease, the, the little mark that shows him that he is standing in the correct position. What did you make yeah. of it? Was it a deliberate attempt? Or do you accept the, the I guess, the uh, idea that he was just doing what Steve Smith does, that he's got these little quirks to his game? Well, I think uh, I won't say that I was cheating. It was, it was not sandpaper gate again for sure, you know. Yes, people have been overtly critical, especially the English media. The tabloid, they haven't spared him one bit. Mm. But I think this is taking it too far. And if this is coming from a huge Indian fan and a cricket fan. No, I do not think he was cheating. It's just his mannerisms, you know, his, he, he has this quirkiness. He's kind of eccentric. I mean, he's a guy, uh, day before uh, the match, he is all in his wife and he's shadow practicing in, in his hotel room. So he has, you know, he's somebody who actually lives to bat. And I think it was just one of those moments which were caught up and blown out of proportion. Uh, I mean, having said that, uh, when Australians did got caught in South Africa, the reason they got caught was because it was the crew was South African. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and having been part of many crews, there are a few things which you offer and some that you don't show. <laughs> so I don't know how many Little things, minor things would not be shown right now by uh, Fox. I'm not leveling any allegations or, or, or anything. But at, at least if, when it comes to that particular incident of Steve Smith, I do not think it was cheating. Uh, it's just kind of blowing out of proportion, especially keeping his history in mind, yeah. uh, which, is, which, which we all know. Imagine that is some very fair and balanced analysis you've just given us there. So thank you so much. You are welcome to call in any time and talk cricket because that was a great My appraisal pleasure. of what we witnessed. And thank you so much for the call, OK? Pleasure. Yeah, uh, it was. You thank you, you Amadri. Fantastic job. Thank you so much. And, and that was very balanced and absolutely spot I on. I think to you, Chris, Yeah, and this is echoing his sentiments there, that had Sandpapergate not happened, nobody would be talking about what happened at no. the Sydney Cricket Ground. In other words, Steve Smith's reputation is now preceding him. Correct. And this is the problem. He will have to live under the shadow of that, under the spectre of what he did and his involvement in the whole Sandpapergate saga and anything. Now, he's under a microscope for the rest of his cricketing career. I think what he did there was innocuous. I don't think Good that... Word. Yeah, I, think I, 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 I don't think, you know, I've just seen Virender Sewag tweeted, tried all the tricks. Steve Smith trying to remove pants, batting guard marks from the crease, but I'm proud of the effort. And then uh, underneath it, so many comments. Has he learned nothing about cheating and bad sportsmanship? Come on.
Come on. Well, I want to play this and let you guys make up your own mind. This is Tim Payne, who was fronting up, of course, as the leader, as the skipper of the Baggy Green. He was asked about Steve's, uh, Steve Smith's actions, and he had this to say. I'm glad you actually asked that, because I have spoken to Steve about this, and... Um yeah, I know he's really disappointed with the way it's come across. I mean, if, you, if you've watched Steve Smith play test cricket, that's something that he does every single game five or six times a day. He's, he's always standing in the batting crease shadow batting. Um, and as we know, he's got those sort of many um, Steve, Smith, Steve Smith quirks. So one of them is he's always marking centre. He was certainly not changing guard. Um, and I imagine if he was, then, the, you know, the Indian players would have kicked up a bit of a stink at the time. But that's something that I've seen Steve do many a times in the test matches and, and shoot games that I've played with him. When he's in the field, he likes to sort of walk up to, to where he bats and, and visualise how he's going to play. And, um, you know, yesterday you could sort of see him up there playing a couple of shots as a left-hander as if where he wanted Lino to, to pitch the ball. And, um, yeah, one of his mannerisms, he, as I said, he does it a lot. He, he was marking centre. He wasn't by any stretch of the imagine nation trying to change guard or, or do anything like that. I appreciate different sports have kind of different, uh, I guess, rules. And uh, obviously, not stating the bleeding obvious, just different sports have different rules. But, you know, different lines with which, different grey areas, shall we say. Let me ask you this question, Rob. On the football field, if an opposing player scuffs up the penalty spot, which we have seen a lot, is that cheating? If it is affecting... Um, the opponent's ability to take a penalty. As it's been shown in the past, it has. We've seen a lot of players slip under. If a player, for example, and I've seen it, there's been The referee needs to be keeping an eye on that sort of stuff. You consider that to be a form of cheating? If someone is deliberately vandalising the playing surface in any sport, I think that that is, um, that is definitely something that needs to be at least flagged up by an official. Unsporting or cheating? But cricket, you see, cricket's a bit different because that pitch is just, you know, it's a, it's a living organism, that pitch. It kind of, it deteriorates with yeah. the test match and they take great pleasure in, in, a, in investigating all the little cracks and furrows in the pitch. You know, that's part of the part and parcel mm. of what makes test cricket so nuanced. So the fact that, you know, you've got uh, the, the wear and tear of play, you see at Wimbledon as well. Those courts on men's singles Sunday final do not look like they did in uh, in the first round. It's wear and tear on a lawn, on a grass surface. Yeah, part of me thinks as well, part of me does think that it's up to Pan, it's up to any cricketer to continue to check their guard. It's up to a penalty taker to, to check the penalty spot. And, you know, it's up to them. It's their responsibility. So if it is being scuffed up by an opposition, then you make sure you go through your rituals and make sure that all is above board. A lot of you feeling out there that we've been a little light uh, on Steve Smith, that it was a flagrant attempt to cheat. That is the view of an awful lot of you. And she's been in touch. You're being very light, he says, on Steve Smith. The video is very clear and the act looked deliberate. Attributing this to his quirks is very creative and a tad stupid. It insults my intelligence. Raj is saying that uh, if he was scuffing up the areas where the bowler's foot lands, then nobody would have made it a big issue. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case and don't believe that anybody can defend him. So Raj and Anch there very much of the belief that this was a deliberate act. Someone else is out there is saying that Payne, uh, it seems like Payne was defending the indefensible in all of that. I mean, do you still, despite those messages, Rob, do you still kind of stick to the the line that... I'm not that flaky that three messages is going to get me to change my opinion. Maybe it will. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll climb down. Um, 
Again, I come back to it. Yeah. We wouldn't be having this conversation if Sandpapergate... And look, I'm not saying that Sandpapergate should be forgotten about. No. Uh, it will stay with him. And in, to a degree, it's right to. You know, I'm, listen, he was in the, the cricketing wilderness mm. for so long. He certainly paid his dues. The, the amount of shame, embarrassment and just probably self-loathing that that whole incident brought on himself and his, you know, his team and people around him. It must have been actually pretty tough, I would imagine, to get to go through that. You have an entire nation. Imagine that. It was so shaming, the whole thing. And there was just such, um, there, there was such a sort of apathy towards him and, and oh. obviously the others involved in it. Right, rightly so. But again, I think one of those things which could be argued because of the conditions, the circumstances, the pride that Australia have in its cricketing kind of history and its its reputation internationally. Again, a, lo a lot was said that maybe blew that, blew that out of proportion. Again, I've watched the footage and, and to be fair, blink and you miss it. And it, it certainly isn't conclusive that he is looking to change the, the, the mark. It doesn't look to me, oh, and again, Forgive me on this, and I'm, you know, listen, I'm not Steve Smith's biggest fan. Equally, I've, other than Sandpaper Gate, which was indefensible, you know, he's actually, I mean, the way he performed uh, in that Ashes series coming off the back of that, I mean, that was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. So it was, and and I've watched it a few times, and um, I do tend to err on the side of. You know, it's the responsibility of the batsman. I come back to it. He's got to make sure that all things are in place if that's the mark that he's been making. And for a couple of scuffs, you ain't going to change. You know, you pants been there working at it for a lot longer than just a couple of a little scuffs from Steve. If indeed that is the accusation, and if you believe that accusation that he is looking to change the the guard mark, then then so be it. But I tend to, on this particular occasion, I kind of lean towards. The explanation that Tim Payne has actually given, uh, whether Tim Payne, uh, I mean, listen, I don't like anyone uh, giving back chat or, or being disrespectful to umpires, certainly. Uh, my position is pretty clear on sledging. I think there is, a, there is a place for it. I do believe there is a place of mental warfare a little bit if you don't cross a line, if you don't get too personal. A bit of ribbing, a bit of jessing, I don't think... It's all that bad. It, it happens. I think we'd be incredibly naive to think in any sport that doesn't happen. The little bit of LeBron James gives it out. You know, Tom Brady gives it out. In the world of American football, it happens on the football field all the time, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And there have been occasions that it has done just that. So that's my penny's worth on it. It's nice to be talking about something a bit contentious, to be honest. It is. I've it's missed been a that. while. It has been a while since we... You know why we don't talk about contentious stuff as much? No fans. Mm, yeah, fans lead to contentious moments. A pressure, I always think. The presence of fans has an effect on players, and obviously they play a part in the match as well, whether it's football or cricket or whatever. Mm. Yeah, there's maybe a bit of truth to that, that the pressure mounts, and when you've got a baying mob, whether they're on your back or obviously a cheering mob, if they're very much with you, yeah, it does make these athletes maybe do some silly things, and there is maybe a bit of truth to that. And of course, there were some fans in at the SEG, and there's no doubt that Tim Payne and Simon's been in touch with Payne is just looking for a scapegoat after his own performance. And, you know, the crazy thing was, I was speaking to a couple of Aussies last night, and, you know, had Steve Smith not been caught up in this, they were very much of the opinion that if Tim Payne was to lose at the Gabba and India come away with this series victory, that Steve Smith would have been back in the hot seat from a captaincy standpoint. Not now. You've got to say, 
although Tim Payne is, is coming in for a lot of abuse for his own. I don't uh, think he'll ever captain his country uh, again. I think if I if I stay true to what we said back then, I was very much of the opinion that he would be built back up to take over the reins. I've never felt... I've, I don't know. And again, oh, Tim Payne's like, got... Yeah, he's got stand-in captain written all over him. Yeah, he does. He doesn't, he doesn't convince me in all honesty. And I'm not just judging that. He yeah. just doesn't... He doesn't carry himself with the same degree of authority as Correct. the great captains have. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I do not disagree with that. So that would be my own thoughts on that one. And there was the feeling, again, I'm no Aussie. I was just speaking to a couple of fellas last night and they were saying, Oof, if Tim Payne loses at the Gabba, I'm not sure they were aware of this fallout with Steve Smith. If Tim Payne goes and loses, given you know his actions, then there is a chance that they felt Steve Smith would be back uh, as skipper. Maybe not now, after the controversy that continues to surround him, whether you believe it or not, that it was a deliberate act to uh, sabotage uh, Rashad Pant's uh, innings, I guess. But as it is, great result for India. Sets up that fourth and deciding test absolutely beautifully. This is Extra Time. Excitement building. It is a busy month for sport right here in the United Arab Emirates. You've got not one but two major golfing events. You've also got the third instalment of UFC's Fight Island. Yeah, absolutely. It's back. UFC 257. We'll see Conor McGregor make his debut in the UAE capital. He's taking on Dustin Poirier for the second time. Another big, great roster of fights lined up. Max Holloway also in action against Calvin Qatar as well. And to tell us a little bit more about it, we're delighted to welcome into the conversation the UFC Associate Project Manager for DCT Abu Dhabi. It's Noor Al-Hamoudi, and she's kind enough to join us, not for the first time on nope. this show on the line Noor a very good evening to you good evening gentlemen how are you guys yeah we're very well Noor we are very well indeed excitement is building the third iteration of Fight Island you did it so well the first time Dana said you know what we've got to come back you did the second time so well you have completed the trifecta it will be the first time that we see Conor McGregor here in the United Arab Emirates before we get to him though how are preparations ahead of the first fight night which is of course this coming Saturday we're ready, guys. Um, we've been uh, planning for this event for uh, since we finished Fight Island 2. We returned to Fight Island, and we're so excited for the Super Heather Week. And uh, we've, we're prepared. We're ready to have fans back at live events again. It's super exciting to be doing that. It's super exciting to finally welcome hungry fans back into the octagon, into the arena, to watch these fights live. How many fans can we expect for that Conor McGregor fight, Noor? Do, do you have a number that you've agreed upon or that the organisers, obviously, there's so many protocols that you've still got to follow, but do, can you give us a rough approximate number of the amount of people that will be allowed into that arena? For sure. We're hosting the triple header at the Etihad Arena. As you know, it's going to be the inaugural event at the Etihad Arena. It'll be the first one and we'll be welcoming fans. Now, the arena itself is an 18,000-seater, but following the COVID restrictions and the utmost highest of health and safety measures, we are allowing 2,000 fans per event. Okay, so it's 2,000. Now, I did have a little scout around uh, on Ticketmaster.ae for some tickets to all things Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, and I could find none, none whatsoever, Noor. They would have sold out, I would imagine, in record-breaking time. We have been honestly very pleasantly surprised. We have announced tickets 
less than a week ago, and we're almost completely sold out. Uh, we're so excited to have these guys here. Um, Conor McGregor brings the heat. Dustin Poirier comes to see Abu Dhabi one more time since his 2019 um, fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. So I think fans are just, you know, like I said, they're hungry to, to watch these guys go at it. Khabib Nurmagomedov, who you mentioned just then, Nor, I mean, he made this a second home, a home away from home before his retirement after beating Justin Gaethje. How important was it for Abu Dhabi to attract the biggest names in the sport in terms of the overall strategy of having the UFC on Fight Island? Was it essential that Conor McGregor fought in the, in the UAE capital this year? Look, Abu Dhabi and the UFC have a super strong relationship. Ever since the Abu Dhabi Showdown Week in 2019, we've had a contract for a five-year plan, um, and we're so excited to be doing that with the UFC here in the country. And that only means that we are only going to get the best of the best, the creme de la creme of fighters. So no matter what event, whether it was McGregor or Dustin or Habib or Gaethje again, or Calvin Qatar, Max Holloway, um, people are going to get what they're paying for. Yeah, that's fair. And you did reference the Etihad Arena. I've been excited about this particular facility for a while now. I'm sure you've been in there, Noor. Give us a little taste. Paint us a little picture, if you can. Just how awesome is the brand new Etihad Arena? It is humongous. Like I said, it's an 18,000-seater, so you can only imagine this multi-purpose arena, what it can host from entertainment, from music, from sports. It's massive. Seating is amazing. Um, you get to watch any kind of, you know, being hosted there. Um, and it's, it's world-class. It's state-of-the-art design, honestly. It's brilliant. No, we're really looking forward to it. Sunday, January the 24th, UFC 257. Lots to come before that. But, of course, all eyes on that fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And it's going to be a very, very exciting year for, I'm sure, both Abu Dhabi and the UFC. And that partnership will grow even stronger. Massive thanks to Noor. She's excited. You can hear it there. I am as well. It's kind of crept up on us a little bit but the fact is you have three fight nights she said it there did Noor it is the triple header all eyes the watching world will once again be on Yaz Island Conor McGregor back from his what third fourth fifth retirement um, I've lost count now I've really lost, lost count, count well. but he is back. I, I do question his opponent I feel like that's that's kind of that's not unfinished business that's finished business Correct. with Dustin a little I don't know why they had the need to fight money 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 that's money. it but I suppose what this is is money. it's just it's positioning Connor for a title shot probably against Justin Gaethje yeah. to take on if Khabib Nurmagomedov really is retired and doesn't and isn't tempted back for another fight in the octagon and I'm mm. sure Dana White will be doing his utmost to persuade Khabib to make himself available for a fight later this year maybe against Connor maybe in a rematch in Abu Dhabi as well potentially I mean that would be brilliant Oof. but we have to assume that the, the winner of the, the McGregor Poirier fight you'd expect it to be Connor if that goes to form, you would expect it, given the fact, hearing such good sound, sounds from his camp, good noises oh, about his training. The picture he posted up the other day, he looks absolutely stacked. And there is something to be said. Conor McGregor with a skinhead, with the shaved buzz cut, he just looks that much meaner. He looks in fine fettle, mm. does Mr McGregor for his big return in Abu Dhabi. That, as Robbie rightly points out, Sunday, January the 24th. We're building up to that. We're excited about that and we will build up, continue to build up to that. This is Extra Time. 
I want to get to the story, Rob, because uh, Chris Huntley, who is a regular uh, listener of ours, and he may well be listening, he tagged us in a post, and I've had a lot of people messaging going, is this real? I can tell you it absolutely is. There are some strange reasons why players have been sent off, whether it be football, rugby, basketball, ejected, whatever. But picking up a referee... <laughs> when you put it like that. ...has got to be yeah. the most bizarre... Well, let's let's furnish you with the details of the story because this occurred in the Pro Division 2. Yeah. So this is over in France. Bézier welcomed Nevers Ooh, to South nice. France for their second-tier match. And that saw the visitors, Nevers, leading 30-25 to 25 in the final moments. Eventually, they were to hold on. The players were pretty <laughs> chuffed, it's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. And Josiah Rasouk, uh, was unable to contain his emotions, and I hope I haven't butchered his name there. Uh, but listen, how would you go for that? I think you've done a good, good job there, Josiah, because it's J O S. Josiah Resuk. Resuk. R A I S U Q E. Resuk. Anyway, we apologise to Josiah Rezouk if we have indeed butchered his name, <laughs> uh, but he was unable to control himself. The former Stade Francais player picked up the referee it's like the, a trophy, yeah, Laurent Milotti. and lofted him above his head. Bizarre. No doubt waving him around in celebration. Now, I've watched it a few times, and the red mist descends. It's premeditated. You see Josiah, uh, Josiah weighing, uh, eyeing up the ref. It's not one of those whistle blows, oh, I'll pick you up. You can kind of see that he's edging towards. Yeah. It's premeditated. He's picked the referee up like he's a rag doll, like he's a wee teddy bear. <laughs> he's hoisted him Imagine in the that, air. Imagine that, you're the ref, and suddenly you're eight feet above the, <laughs> the ground, being lofted like a trophy. Yeah, and it is like that. And then he dumps him down unceremoniously. Does he? Well, I mean, he doesn't fall on his backside, the referee, but he just it's lifts not a him. Triple H pedigree, it's is it? It's not a pedigree. There's not a rock bottom to be seen in there. But he's dumped down, and then it's the embarrassment, I think. Because, and I recall, and I, when I was watching the footage, and I've watched it a few times today, I was going through all the, the kind of moments, and I saw on B in Sports over the weekend, Paolo Di Canio. It was the life and times of Paolo, and obviously his incident with Paul Alcock at Hillsborough. It was Arsenal against Sheffield Wednesday when, of course, he pushed the referee. The referee stumbled a few times and, and fell on his backside, and he was shown the red card. Also recalled the time that the referee, might have been Hugh Dallas, up in Scotland, and he dropped his notepad with his yellow cards, and... Gaza, Paul Gascoigne was playing for Rangers at the time. It was Rangers against Hibs. Gaza picked it up, the book for him, with all his cards, and showed the referee a yellow card. Bit of banter. Referee wasn't having it. He was embarrassed, and he ended up booking Paul Gascoigne. No. Just a, yeah, he did. Just a bit of fun. You've dropped your, you've dropped your book, and Gaza got I out the yellow. I think you have to lose your sense of humour when you're an official like that. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it, it's polarised opinion. Jusea Rizak's... Uh, Actions. I mean, some have said deplorable. Uh, I deplorable? Mean, That's yeah. a bit much. Yeah. And even his own coach, Nevers head coach, Javier Pemeja, he was quit. Some tricky names in I here, know, isn't it? Troopers were butchering them. Javier, Javier Pemeja. Pemeja. Ah. Yeah, that's, that's the way. Pemeja. Uh, he was quick to denounce called the celebration unacceptable. He went on to tell Canul Plus, it's intolerable. You'll <laughs> be punished by the league's disciplinary committee. Come on. It's intolerable is the word he used. I'll deal with him. I can't accept it. What happened at the end there, it's going to be very bad. Now, as I say, mixed reviews on this. Some fans finding and seeing the humorous side to things. Others in complete and utter shock. I mean, where, where do you fall? 
Well, put yourself in Laurent Milot's shoes. If you are the referee, you know, you take pride in what you do. Yeah. You are a proud man. Yeah. You've probably got a bit of a sense of humour failure. Mm, no. No, if you're a referee, oh, fear, okay. you're, not, you're not really in the mood to laugh and joke about, are no, you? Sure, you're there right. to do a job. Yeah, right. Final whistle goes, and some bloke runs up from behind you, grabs you by the shorts, and hoists you into the air. Yeah, I'm just picturing Bellowing. <laughs> we finish a show here at 8 o'clock, and I've got a big burly bloke lifting me up in celebration. Nah, I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, wee! Hey! Exactly that. But, uh, yeah, I guess when you put it like that, yeah, I guess, and, and the referee's got to stick to the letter of the law. We've often said common sense goes out the window. Also, what happened to social distancing? <laughs> They're on the rugby field, Rob. Right? There ain't no much social distancing when you cross that white line. They're in scrums, for goodness sake. They're clattering into one another. The referee's up close and personal as well, barking orders and telling them to back away and clear the, 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 the ruck and what have you. So I can understand. All right, if you're the ref, what would you do there? I would see the funny side. Yeah, come on, I've got a sense of humour. I mean, being hoisted, I'd be loving it. Go on again, do it again. <laughs> you know, come on. You get popped back down, you say, well done, don't do that again, but... I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, do it again, you seem to be a bit well, confused. So, you know, I thought I'm putting, <laughs> my, which one you'd go I'm, for. I'm putting myself in Laurent's shoes. I'm being all serious this year, mm. and all serious. It would be a case of, oh, that was a bit odd and bizarre, but yeah. okay, you're overjoyed with the success that you've had, and yeah, don't hoist me up again, please. Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast. With myself, Chris McCarty, and Robbie Greenfield. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do give us a review.